Brother Jeremy come at this time and preach to us out of the book of Daniel chapter 9. So get your Bibles out, follow along at home, and we sure appreciate you tuning in. And church, we do miss you so much, but we wanted to bring to you some songs, some times of pr time of prayer, and especially the Word of God. Brother Jeremy's been going through the book of Daniel each Wednesday night, doing a wonderful job, and he'll continue on through it each Wednesday night. Uh, preaching this great book of prophecy and it should remind us that we're in the very last days and all the pestilence malignant disease without cure should remind us that one day the tribulation is going to take place and we better be ready for the rapture amen brother jeremy you come and preach the word of god and the message god's laid on your heart appreciate you so much brother god bless you amen amen if you would let's take our bibles and turn to the book of daniel the book of daniel chapter number nine Daniel chapter number 9, and we're going to be discussing Daniel's 70 weeks. Daniel's 70 weeks, one of the key passages for Bible prophecy. In order to understand what is going on in the New Testament concerning prophecy, you have to have a good understanding of what's going on in Daniel chapter number 9. Now, as we discuss this prophecy in just a moment, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that in the Old Testament, Old Testament prophets could not see anything that dealt with the church. They could not see the church age. This prophecy is given to the Jews, and it is helpful for us to understand what is being talked about during things such as the tribulation, that it is dealing with God's um, chosen people, the Jews. God is not through with Israel, and we will see that God still has a plan for Israel in the future. So if you have your Bibles open, we'll begin in verse number 1. And we see in verse number 1, we see a new king. A new king, the Bible says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So in the last two chapters that we've discussed in the book of Daniel, Daniel's dreams occurred during the reign of Belshazzar. And now what we're seeing here is a new king has come on the scene, a man by the name of Darius. Not only is it a new king, but it's also a new empire. A new nation is now in charge of the land that Daniel is a part of. The Babylonian empire has already fallen by Daniel chapter number 9, and we see the rise of the Persian empire, the, the empire of the Medes and the Persians. So we see the time period that Daniel is referring to in Daniel chapter 9, and during the reign of Darius the king, in the first year, Daniel is studying his Bible. And he has an illuminating Bible study. And the Bible says in verse number 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the, of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So right here we see that um, Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah. And what is he reading in the book of Jeremiah? Well, I will show you. In Jeremiah chapter number 25, in verse number 11, the Bible says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. It also says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you, referring to Israel, 
and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Now, Daniel's reading in the book of Jeremiah and he sees that God had said that the children of Israel would remain captive in Babylon for a period of 70 years. The question may come, why were they there for 70 years? Well, we see in the book of 2 Chronicles an explanation for the 70 years. It says, in verse number 20 of chapter 36, it says, And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, where they, Israel, were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. So we see that the reason that the children of Israel were to be in captivity for 70 years was to fulfill the, um, the land Sabbath of the land of Israel. In the book of Leviticus, God had told the children of Israel to till the land for six years, but on the seventh year to leave their land fallow, that that would be a Sabbath just like a Sabbath day, a Sabbath year for the land. And for 490 years, the children of Israel had disregarded and disobeyed the Lord in leaving the land fallow for the Sabbath year. They had not done so. When God carried the children of Israel into captivity, He said they would be there for 70 years to fulfill those 70 Sabbath years that the children of Israel had been ignoring for a space of 490 years. Now I want you all to remember those two terms. 70 Sabbath years and 490 years. It's very important in understanding the rest of this chapter. But Daniel has read now in the book of Jeremiah, he has seen that in the book of Jeremiah, God had promised to return the children of Israel back to the land that He had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that their children would be able to possess, that God promised to return them to the land of Canaan. And after he had read that, it drove him to prayer. And we see Daniel's sincere prayer in Daniel chapter 9 in verse number 3. If you will read on with me, the Bible says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him, and to them that keep His commandments, we have sinned, and we have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from Thy precepts and from Thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto Thy servants, the prophets, which spake by um, in Thy name, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. I think about that, that they did not hearken to the prophets. I think of how many prophets had suffered persecution from the children of Israel. I was doing my daily Bible reading today, and we were in the book of Luke. And in our passage in the book of Luke, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and said to the Pharisees that you have been a partaker in the sins of your father in that you had built the graves for the prophets whom your fathers had killed. So your fathers killed the prophets and you were the ones who dug the graves for them. And I think about Jeremiah, 
the weeping prophet, how he had suffered at the hands of the people of Israel for delivering the Lord's message. I think about Zechariah the prophet, who suffered at the hands of the children of Israel, for, not, for the children of Israel did not want to hear the message of the Lord. And Daniel is thinking of those men, and as he's praying, he confesses that his people had disregarded the words of the prophets, and he continues on in his prayer, and he says in verse number 7, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Now concerning this curse and this oath that the Lord had, um, had given to the children of Israel, we see it in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter number 28 and verse 15, the Bible says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. He says in verse 36 concerning these curses, One of them said, The Lord shall bring thee and thy king, which thou shalt set over thee, unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, and there thou shalt thou serve other gods of wood and stone. So God said, If you disobey my laws, if you follow after other idols, if you do not obey my commandments, then instead of blessing you, these curses will fall upon you. One of those being that you would be carried away into captivity. In this prayer, Daniel remembers the curses that God had brought upon the children of Israel. Those he had promised to bring for disobedience. He remembered the oath that God had made to the children of Israel. And now Daniel prays again and he says in verse number 12, and God, he, God, hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done, as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities, and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil, and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renown, as at this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, 
thy holy mountain because of our sins. And for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary. That is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. What a prayer by Daniel. He admitted the sins of his people. And Daniel, one of the men that if you study his life in the book of Daniel, you will struggle to find a sin that he commits in the entire book. Yet he realized even his sinful nature. And he said, Lord, for our sins you have punished us. And now we beseech thee, God, to forgive us, to return us as you promised. And I love that phrase in the book of Daniel, chapter number 18. He said, we do not ask this, we do not ask for forgiveness for our righteousness, but we ask it because of your great mercies. He did not seek to come to God according to His righteousness. As the Bible says, all our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord, but He knew that He came to the Lord according to God's great mercy, that God desires to forgive, that God desires for His children to repent and come to Him. He desires to serve mercy and not punishment. And Daniel came and asked God. Now in the middle of Daniel's prayer, Daniel again receives an angelic visitor. An angelic visitor. Look in verse number 20, the Bible says, And whilst I was speaking and praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. And I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. So Daniel says as he's praying that God sends an angel to Daniel. And before Daniel could even finish his prayer, the angel Gabriel appeared to him again. And he speaks to Daniel and says, Daniel, your prayer has been heard. And the Bible says that Gabriel was commanded to go to Daniel from the very moment that Daniel began to pray. You see, that shows the eagerness of God to show mercy. I am so thankful to serve a God and to pray to a God and to worship a God who even though I am a sinner and even though I do not deserve anything good on my own, God shows mercy and grace and He is glad to do it to this poor servant. He heard Daniel. And as soon as Daniel's heart, 
after studying God's Word, was moved to pray for His people and His nation. God did not wait for the prayer to be done. As soon as the prayer began, He set in motion the plan and the vision for Daniel to understand what God had planned for the children of Israel. He dispatches Gabriel in order to explain to Daniel the vision he is about to see. One of the most important visions in all of Scripture. One that we must understand in a special way. To understand that God has a plan not only for the Jews, but for all of mankind. We see now Gabriel begin to explain this vision in verse number 24. We see this. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, and then I'll explain the vision. The Bible says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, and upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression, and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now right here we have the vision of Daniel's 70 weeks. And before we begin, I want to remind you that Daniel as an Old Testament prophet could not foresee the church age. He does not see what the church would be doing throughout history. He can only see great events that would occur for his people, the nation of Israel. In fact, this prophecy is given to the children of Israel. Notice it says in verse 24, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. I want you to understand that this prophecy deals with the Jews. It does not deal with the church. It deals with the Jews. God is not through with the Jews. God's people Israel is still His chosen people. He has not forgotten them. He had made an everlasting covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and He will not break His word. As we look at this, I want you to notice it says, 70 weeks are determined upon the people, talking about Israel, and upon thy holy city, referring to Jerusalem. 
that there are 70 weeks to be given. Now in the Hebrew, the word that we have translated weeks in the King James Bible is literally the word seven. Just seven. It says there are 70 sevens determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now I want you to remember when we were reading in the book of Jeremiah and also in the book of 2 Chronicles. Remember, God had said there were 70 years that the children of Israel would be in captivity in Babylon. There were 70 years because for 490 years, the children of Israel had failed to obey the land Sabbaths that they were commanded to do in the book of Leviticus. They were disobedient for 490 years, and at the end of those 490 years, they were carried away into captivity for 70 years so that God could allow the land to remain fallow for the 70 Sabbath years that it had been ignored. So it took the children of Israel 490 years to get to the point where they had to go into the Babylonian captivity. And at the end of the Babylonian captivity, now God says they have now basically 490 more years that have been given to them. Now, what is the 490? How do I know it's 490 years? Well, these 70 weeks refer to weeks of years. If you're taking notes, write that down. The 70 weeks refer to weeks of years. When you multiply 70 times 7, uh, referring to a week of years, you get the number 490. So after the Babylonian captivity, from the start of the commandment here, the children of Israel will only have 490 years whereby God will work through them. And this prophecy is astounding. It is amazing because it pinpoints the arrival of the Messiah. It shows God's plan for the Messiah that we see given to us in the four Gospels, and it also tells us in the book of Daniel about the future that we read about in the book of, of um, Paul's letters to the Thessalonians and also in the book of Revelation. If you will, let's look at verse number 25 now. Gabriel, speaking to Daniel, says this, Know therefore... And understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. So let's look at the beginning. The beginning of this 490 years will begin with this. The going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. Now what is this commandment referring to? There was a commandment given by Cyrus the Great for the children of Israel to return and to rebuild their temple. But this is not the commandment that is referred to here in the book of Daniel. The commandment is for them to go and restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That occurred after the lifetime of Cyrus the Great. We see it recorded in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, Artaxerxes the king, tells Nehemiah to go back and to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. This decree, which was given in the year roughly about 445 B.C., is the beginning of Daniel's 70 weeks. The beginning 
of the 490 years that God has said that He would use and work through the children of Israel. Now, notice what is said here in the book of, um, of Daniel chapter number 9, verse 25. It says that from the going forth of the commandment to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. I want you all to pay attention to that. It gives two different numbers. It says first, seven weeks, and then three score and two weeks, or if you put it this way, 62 weeks. Now, it would have been easier for Daniel just to write down that there was just 69 weeks from the time of the commandment to the time of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't say that. He divides this period of time into two sections. One section, the first section, lasting seven weeks of years, and the second section lasting 62 weeks of years. Now, what does it say would happen after the first seven weeks? We see it at the end of Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. The Bible says, at the very end, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. Now, if any of y'all have ever read the book of Nehemiah, you know the story of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. Now, it's not just referring to the walls being rebuilt here, because it didn't take 49 years for Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. What it's referring to is not only that the walls are rebuilt, but that the streets are rebuilt. In other words, a restoration, a complete restoration of the city of Jerusalem would occur after seven weeks of years from the commandment to build and restore Jerusalem. Now this would have occurred, the completion of the seven weeks, the first seven weeks, or 49 years, would have occurred in the year 396 B.C. 396 B.C. And then we have a second prophecy given. And we jump ahead now 62 weeks of years, or 434 weeks of years, and we see the next fulfillment. Now I want you all to pay attention to this, because this fulfillment will amaze you at the accuracy of the prophecy that Daniel was given here in the book of Daniel hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was born. I want to again read verse 25, and then we'll read part of verse 26. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the goings forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, now notice the next statement, unto Messiah the Prince would be seven, I mean it would be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Notice it says that at the end of 69 weeks, you will see on the scene Messiah the Prince. Now who is that referring to? That is referring to Jesus Christ. Now remember, that first section of years, seven weeks, the completion of the seven weeks, or 49 years, we would see that the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt. We would see that the streets have been rebuilt. The city has been restored. And then there will be another 62 weeks of years, or 434 years, and then we would see Messiah the Prince. We would see Messiah the Prince. Now, 
If you add 434 years to 396 B.C., add another 434 years, you get the year of 30 A.D. 30 A.D. Daniel prophesies and says that in the year 30 A.D., Messiah the Prince will be on the scene. Now that's significant. We know somebody who was on the scene in 39 B.C. And who was that? It was Jesus Christ. I mean, 30 B.C. A.D., excuse me, 30 A.D. was Jesus Christ. If we look, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter number 16, verse 1, speaking to the Pharisees, the Bible says, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted, desiring him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Jesus answered and said unto them, O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? He says, you understand what the sky is going to be like. If it's red, you understand you're going to have storms. You understand that if the wind is blowing a certain way, you know whether it's going to be hot or it's going to be cold. You understand the weather, but you do not understand the signs that God has given you the signs of the times. You do not understand the Scriptures because the Scriptures had told them exactly when Jesus Christ would be on the scene. And understand this, men and women, nobody today can claim for themselves to be the Messiah. The time has passed. He was supposed to be on the scene almost 2,000 years ago. And anyone living today is not 2,000 years old. No one on earth today can truly claim to be the Messiah. There is only one person living who can claim that. And that living person is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now look in verse 26 again. The Bible says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So we see that after the 60 and 2 weeks, we see that we're going to see that two things occur. The first thing that occurs is that Messiah would be cut off. And notice the interesting statement about this. It says, After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. In other words, killed. But notice the next statement. But not for himself. In other words, he isn't dying because of some wrong that he did. It's, he's not dying for his own sake. He's dying for someone else. It says, but not for himself. And we understand that the Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In the book of Mark, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ did not die for Himself. He died for the sins of the whole world. This is prophesied in the book of Daniel, chapter number 26. So we see, so far there has been 69 weeks of years. At the end of those 69 weeks of years, what will we see? We will see Jesus Christ on the scene. He is living. He is working. After the 69 weeks, 
then two things would have happened. Number one, Messiah would be cut off. And then number two, we would see the destruction of Herod's temple. Notice it says in verse 26, And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So we see two events that occur. Number one, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which occurred roughly between the years 30 A.D. and 33 A.D., and then the destruction of Herod's temple, which would occur in the year um, A.D. 70. Herod's temple would be destroyed. Now I want you all to understand something. Between Jesus' death and the destruction of Herod's temple passes 40 years. Well, we have a problem. There's only one more week of years that's been given to the Jews. Forty years is a lot more than just seven years. One week of years cannot work in between those things. And that is correct. What is occurring here is, after the 69th week, there is a break in the years. There is a gap. There is a parenthesis. We see the gap being shown to us in the two events that would occur after the 69th week. Number one, Messiah would be crucified. And then 40 years later, 40 years later, the Romans would come and destroy the temple. Those two things would occur between the 69th week and the 70th week. So there's a gap in time. The gap is longer than 40 years. Because after... Jesus Christ's crucifixion, His death, burial, His resurrection, we see on the day of Pentecost that the church is founded. And for the last 2,000 years, give or take a couple of years, the church has been God's agents upon this earth. We have the church age. We have the church age between Daniel's 69th week and Daniel's 70th week. Now, why doesn't Daniel see it again? Because Old Testament prophets are unable, unable to see the church age. All they can see is the events that would occur that related to the Jews and God's working amongst the Jews. So what do they see? They see the Messiah. They see the rebuilding of the walls by Nehemiah. The rebuilding of the city streets. They see these things in their prophecy. They see Messiah being cut off. Because it's their holy temple, they see the destruction of the temple. But they cannot see the church age. They are unable to see it. So we see a gap running from the 69th week to a future 70th week. Now when will the 70th week occur? When will the 70th week occur? The Bible gives us the event that would start the 70th week. By the way, remember, God tells us the event that would start all the 70 weeks. It was the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. That's the commandment that started the 490 years that God had given to the Jews. He now tells us in Daniel chapter number 9, verse 27, what would begin the 70th week. We see the event here. Verse number 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, 
He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Let's stop right there for a minute. Notice it says, and he shall confirm the covenant. Who is he? Well, we have to go back to Daniel chapter number 9, verse 26. The Bible says in verse 26, notice this, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Who are the people that destroy the temple? The Bible says they are the people of the prince. Now we already know from history what group of people destroyed the temple. Who were they? They were the Romans. They were the Romans. Notice they are called here the people of the prince. It says in verse 27 that that prince will confirm the covenant with many for one week. So understand this. What this is referring to is that the, the fact is that we will see a revival of the Roman Empire. And that prince that shall confirm the covenant is going to come out of a revived Roman Empire. Now, has that empire come into existence? I don't know. Some people are saying that the European Union very well could be that revived Roman Empire. It may be. I'm not convinced if it is or not. But I do know that when that prince will come, he will make a peace treaty with the children of Israel. He will bring peace for a period of time between the people of Israel and the people in the surrounding lands about them. For many years now, we've heard president after president talk about peace in the Middle East. Um, Jimmy Carter won a peace prize for his efforts in the Camp David Accords to bring peace to the Middle East. It did not work. Bill Clinton tried to bring peace to the Middle East. It did not work. George W. Bush tried to bring peace to the Middle East, and he could not do it. Barack Obama did. Donald Trump right now is trying to bring peace to the Middle East. And just as the previous presidents failed, he will fail as well. But there will come a man who will, for a time, make a peace treaty with the children of Israel. Notice it says, He shall confirm the covenant with many, talking about Israel and the people around them, for how long? One week of years. By the way, for those of you who study the Bible, this peace treaty will begin the tribulation period. That is the beginning of the tribulation. By this time, God's people, the church, will already be raptured away. Because we as Christians believe in a pre-tribulational rapture of the church. But when this peace treaty occurs, it will start that final week. Now remember, in the gap that we refer to as the church age, God has not been using the Jews on this earth as His agents. He has been working through the church. At the beginning of this tribulation period, the church is going to be raptured up. God's agents right now for the world will be gone. All the missionaries from the churches will be gone. Every born-again believer will be gone from the earth. Who will God use on this earth to be His agent, to be His messengers, to be His preachers? He will again 
use the Jews. And we see the period for which He will use them. He will use them one more week to fulfill the 70th week of Daniel. Notice that this week is divided into two halves. Notice it says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So, the beginning of it begins with a peace treaty. There will be peace, it says now, for three and a half years. Look at verse 27. And in the midst of the week, He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations shall He make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate, on the desolate. We see here that in the midst of the week, we see the abomination of desolation in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Now there's some people who say that all this has occurred in the past. That the abomination of desolations occurred with a man by the name of Atticus Epiphanes, who we talked about last week when we were studying Daniel chapter 8 that Antiochus Epiphanes was a foretaste of the Antichrist. But here we see that the abomination of desolation will be done not by the Greeks, but by the Romans. It will be done by the Romans. In fact, Jesus agrees with this interpretation. Notice it says in Matthew 24, verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Right here we see that Jesus said that the abomination of desolation was something future from His time. And Jesus lived roughly 200 years after Antiochus Epiphanes. What Antiochus Epiphanes had done 200 years before Jesus was not the abomination of desolation referred to by Daniel. What is the abomination of desolation? referred to by Daniel. We see it in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 3. It says in verse 3, Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What is the abomination of desolation? It will occur in the middle of the tribulation when the Antichrist will come into the temple in Jerusalem that is yet to be rebuilt. He will come into the temple in Jerusalem and he will sit in the temple of God and he will tell people that he is to be worshipped, that he is God. And by the way, this fits in very good with the way the Romans, the leaders of the Romans, considered themselves. When you study them, men like Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, and so on and so forth, during their lifetime and after their lifetime, had temples built to them, and they were worshipped as gods. With the revived Roman Empire, their leader, the Antichrist, will set himself up again in the temple as God. At this point, that will be the abomination that maketh us desolate. What does that refer to, the abomination of desolation? It refers to something that is so wicked and evil, it, um, it, it impurifies, it corrupts, it ruins the, um, the sanctity of the temple so that um, the temple practices can no longer be done. 
Sacrifices cannot be made. And the temple has to be emptied of those people that worship God and it is made desolate. Nobody worships the true God in the temple after that point until the end of the tribulation. And the Bible says even until the consummation, that means that this period of time will last three and a half years until the consummation of the 70 weeks and that determined shall be poured out and it poured upon the desolate. So right here we see the 70 weeks of Daniel given to us. It is 490 years that God says He will continue to work through the Jews. 69 weeks of those years have already been um, performed. That is four, I mean, yeah, 483 weeks. There is one more week of years left to be done. Those seven years are known in the New Testament as the time of tribulation or Jacob's sorrow or Jacob's trouble. During that time, the church will be raptured away and God will then work through His um, chosen people, the Jews, for one more week. They will return to God and they will recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And God will work through them and at the end of the tribulation, He will return and will, um, He will come to rule and reign in the city of Jerusalem for a thousand years. During that thousand years, God will fulfill every promise He made to Abraham and every promise He made to David for the children of Israel. I'm looking forward to that day when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth because I will be coming with Him to rule and reign. What a wonderful time that will be. I hope this time of study has been a blessing to your heart. I hope it has been a help to you in your understanding of Bible prophecy, and I hope that it reveals to you the power, the accuracy, and the authenticity of this Bible, the Word of God. It is truly the Word of God. It is not to be doubted. It is not to be um, questioned. It is God's Word, and it's been proven true time and time again, and it will be proven true for all eternity. Amen. God bless you, Brother Wayne. Well, amen. All God's people at home said amen. That was great. Thank the Lord. The Lord's coming soon. And I believe that all prophecy has been fulfilled for the rapture of the church. And even today, we're having some pre-tribulational uh, heartbeats or uh, uh, maybe some birth pains. Uh, and even with these pestilent, malignant disease without cure, pandemics, you ought to get ready. Let me say this, if you're not saved, tonight's the night to get saved. You can bow right where you're at in your home and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come in your life. There's one topic that's been on a lot of people's hearts lately, and that's death and even life. And I want to tell you something, to be isolated from the presence of Christ for eternity would be terrible. And there is a place called hell that people will be isolated and in torment day and night for eternity because they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, you ought to let this time be a time of rededication. And so to apply this message, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. You need to be willing and yielded to the Holy Spirit in these last days to be his witness, to be a trumpet sounding that Jesus is coming soon. And so I don't know about you, but that message touched my heart, stirred my heart 
to be more available to God, to be a better soul winner, to be a better prayer warrior. The president today said that we're in a warfare, a warfare against these germs and the virus. Well, I want to tell you, and we need to treat it as wartime president. But I want to tell you something, folks. We're in a warfare uh, against Satan. And in the last days, uh, iniquity shall abound. And there will be many, many uh, signs of the time to warn us that he's coming soon. And so I hope that you'll get saved. So I want to have a word of prayer with you. And uh, as an invitation for you to be saved uh, at your home, you can pray right where you're at. Ask the Lord to come in your life. If you need help, you can contact us at our uh, church office at office at whitfieldbaptist.com.org uh, or you can um, uh, call us at 706-278-6776 uh, and we'll be glad to uh, counsel with you and share with the Word of God on how you can be saved. So, Brother uh, Jeremy, thank you for that message and thank you for yielding to the Spirit of God. And wasn't that great? I'll tell you what, I was looking a little bit on Facebook and I saw several people that's uh, tuned in that I haven't seen for years and in, they've moved away to distant uh, cities and uh, we're just so glad you tuned in and I hope the message encouraged your heart and touched your heart. We miss you and we hope to see you soon in church with us when you come back to Dalton. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this message and I pray, dear God, that you would use it uh, to bring Holy Ghost conviction to hearts that, Lord, we don't have much time. But also, Lord, help us to be convicted that your word is the word of God and that none of these minute details uh, could have possibly come true, all this prophecy and all the prophecies is going to come true unless uh, your word is divine and inspired and preserved. We thank you, dear God, for the word of God. And we thank you, dear God, for prophecy that proves that it's indeed the word of God. 1,500 years, 44 different authors, 66 different books, and not one contradiction, but all these prophecies that have come true and that's going to come true, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Now, Lord, speak to hearts. Help us all, Lord, to, to bow where we're at and yield more of our life to you in these last days. If there be one that's lost, that's listening in, that's watching this video, maybe we're going to watch it later, I pray, God, that you would... Uh, uh, convict their soul that time's running out, that they need to be saved. And Lord, I pray that you'd save them. And Lord, we'll be glad to help. And I just pray to God should give us that opportunity. So Lord, thank you for this service. It's been a delight to be here. And Lord, we know that uh, Brother Jeremy preached to an empty auditorium or empty sanctuary. But dear God, he preached for you and he preached unto you. And that made the difference. Lord, bless this Sunday as we do the same thing. And God, in the coming weeks, we just pray, God, that you would spare uh, America from judgment and that you'd have mercy. And that, dear God, that you'd end this virus soon, that you'd be with those that's been sick, be with our um, nurses and doctors and those that are in uh, the home health care, uh, Lord, that we have many nurses in our church that go to people's homes and take care of them. Lord, for the uh, first responders, God, thank you for them. And Lord, I pray, dear God, you'd protect and watch over them. And Lord, we pray for uh, the prayer request that was even sent in during the uh, uh, message, dear God, for uh, Sister Shirley's uh, family. Uh, Shirley Teen, God has lost her last brother today. I pray, dear God, that you'd comfort her, that you'd strengthen her, and God, you'd uh, give the family comfort. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for all your blessings and thank you for this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.